Hello. How are you? It's Mal here. Uh, I'm on my own EO this week. Misha's writing a screenplay. And I'm at Natten. So I'm going to mind you this week. I'm going to think out loud for about 20 minutes or so. I'm going to set me timer. And... Yeah, have a chat, think out loud as unapologetically as I can and uh, I might read you some poems and uh, I'll tell you a little story at the end as well. Right. So, today... Today, boys and girls, we're going to be talking about courage. No, seriously, courage. Mishnoch, Asquilga. So, I've been reading the book, Dangerous, and um, it's really inspired me and given me a new perspective on stuff. It's called The Courage to Be Disliked. What if I told you that what you're putting off now be it a project, a difficult conversation, an application for something, like a job, moving, moving house, moving country. What if I told you the only reason you're putting that off is because you don't have courage? So we all have lifestyles. We're all living a lifestyle. And it may be an old lifestyle or a very familiar one that we've been living for quite some time. Weeks, months, years. So with that comes a sense of familiarity and patterns and predictability. You know who you're going to see every day. You know how to act around them. You know what things might be said in response to things. You know the roads, you know your house or wherever it is that you're living. And it might be a bit annoying, inconvenient, mightn't be where you want to be right now, but it's familiar and it's safe. And let's say there's something that you want to change. Let's say you want to take up a new skill or get back in touch with an old skill or get back in touch with someone or break up with someone that's a change that's going to make your lifestyle as you know it quite different and to make that change it requires courage and courage isn't easy come by so I think you can begin with forgiving yourself for not having had that courage to make the change already. Because I think we can get into such a twisted knot of doubt about these changes that we want to make. About this new lifestyle that we want to lead. We can get into such a self-deprecating knot of 
geez, I've been talking about doing this for months and I haven't done it. I'm such a procrastinator. I'm so lazy. But that's just making more excuses for you not to do it, if you know what I mean. So yeah, first step, forgive yourself for not having courage. Because it's an extremely difficult world to be having courage in. And I think, especially in Ireland maybe, you know, familiarity is something that we all find a lot of comfort in. And, Jesus, especially if you're mammied, it can be very hard to move out of the old nest and into into the world of reality. It can be a real slap in the face. Um, yeah, so don't be self-deprecating because you don't have courage to, like, change your lifestyle. I mean, look where we are now. The amount of courage that it took for us all to adapt to this new world. And I think... On the other side of that rusty, rusty coin. I know for, in my experience personally, and maybe for a lot of people my age, this new world has brought a sense of stuckness, if you know what I mean. So for me, you could say I'm stuck in the family home waiting for this all to blow over so I can go off on adventures again. And this world that I'm living in, my, my family home, the countryside, surrounded by people I grew up with that I've known since I was a tot, that's a huge, huge sense of familiarity. Now, I've done my level best to expand my circle of familiarity and found the courage to start driving and applying for things and putting myself out there digitally for, you know, exposure and putting myself out there digitally. <laughs> Take from that what you will. Um yeah, there's a huge sense of familiarity in your home, your hometown, and in the family home that can feel very like, Jesus, I'm back here, and you can fall into old patterns, and it can be very hard to summon the courage to move on again. Like, I was here a few months, an opportunity came up for me to move to a different country, and. I honestly did not feel like I had the courage to do that. Now, Jesus, I forgive myself. I don't beat myself up for not having the courage to do that. But you have to be aware of that kind of pattern and that kind of way of thinking and to not... to not do it all the time. And let's say... Let's go back to something simpler like a project. Like, let's say you want to take up painting again. Or you want to get back into playing chess. I don't know. You might make up excuses as to why... You might make up excuses as to why you don't get back into it, such as... Don't have the spare time. I don't have anyone to play chess with. I should really be using my time to learn how to cook better so when I move out of my family home again I can be more self-sufficient. I don't know. 
you could come up with a million fucking ideas as to why you don't want to start playing chess again. But none of those ideas are really valid. You know, if you had courage, you'd be able to toss all those excuses aside and get back into chess. Now, Jesus, I, I'm starting like I'm starting to sound like a teacher now or a parent. But let me remind you, just because you don't have courage to undertake the things that you want to take doesn't mean that you're good or bad or evil or disciplined or any of these things. I'm taking away all objective adjectives right now. I'm just saying courage, okay? It's not a noble thing to have. It's helpful to no one only yourself to have this courage. The Greek word for good is agathon. And it means beneficial. The Greek word for evil is... I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to spell it. It's K-A-K-O-N. And that means not beneficial. So... In that case, would you say that there's actual evil people in the world if what they're doing is unbeneficial to them like everyone just wants to benefit themselves everyone has a different perspective of what beneficial or good means so person A and person B are walking down O'Connell Street person A sees someone walking up ahead of them drop a 50 euro note out of their purse or wallet or whatever, pocket. They trot up after them, pick up their 50 euro note, catch up with them, say, sorry, you dropped this. Hand it back to them. Little word of thanks. And they carry on with their day. Person B, however, clocks a 50 euro note on the ground after falling from this person's purse or wallet or fucking pocket, whatever. Nabs it, pockets it, walks away with it. Now, immediately you're thinking, fuck's sake, person B, like, in comparison to person A, like, they're not really doing the noble, generous thing of, you know, giving someone money back, a lot of money, that could really help someone. But you don't know their story, man. You don't know the context from which they came from. So... Would you really say one is good or one is bad? Do you know person A could have really used that money to, I don't know, feed their child? They could have been... I don't know. You could add a fucking novel's worth of context to each person's situation. And we'll still be fighting about who's good and who's bad. Because we all have a different interpretation of what's good and what's bad. And now, like... The rules of society are based on what's good and what's bad. And, like, to a certain degree, that keeps things flowing and that keeps people safe. And, you know, you know, some of them you can definitely argue with, whether it's actually serving people's rights and autonomy. Um, so it's important to remain, you know, neutral to these kind of things and to understand that Everyone has their own reasons for doing things that are beneficial or unbeneficial to them. Um, 
I think it is time for some poems. Hide in the hollow trunk of the willow tree. It's listening familiar until, as usual, they cuckoo your name across the fields. You can hear them draw the poles of styles as they approach, calling you out. Small mouth and ear in a woody cleft, lobe and larynx of the mossy places. That was Oracle by Seamus Heaney. Today I saw myself for the first time when I dusted off the mirror of my mind and the woman looking back took my breath away. Who was this beautiful beastling, this extracelestial earthling? I touched my face and my reflection touched the woman of my dreams, all her gorgeous smirking back at me. My knees surrendered to the earth as I wept and sighed at how I'd gone my whole life being myself but not seeing myself. Spent decades living inside my body, never left it once, yet managed to miss all its miracles. Isn't it funny how you can occupy a space without being in touch with it? How it took so long for me to open the eyes of my heart, embrace the heart of my heart, kiss the soles of my swollen feet and hear them whisper. Thank you, thank you, thank you for noticing. That's a poem by Rupi Kaur from her book Home Body. A lot of her poems don't have titles. That's kind of like my generation's journey of poetry. You start with Seamus Heaney in school talking about fucking nature and dead brothers and sisters and then when you start choosing your own content that you want to consume, you start reading Ruby Core, and suddenly your world opens a little bit more, realising, oh, this is what a young woman's struggle is like. Wow! Do you know, put Ruby Core in the leave insert, please. Very beneficial. Um, I really enjoyed her new book. Misha bought it for me for Christmas. Mwah! Game changer. I loved it. People give her a lot of shit on the internet because she writes, like, three words all in lowercase with like a little animation and they're like oh where's the effort like what the fuck but who the fuck says that you can't write a three word poem in lowercase and draw a beautiful animation with it and not make it art and be appreciated for it Jesus she's pouring her soul and her heart onto the pages telling millions of consumers about her traumatic life and yet you still find something to complain about. Wow. Go you. Bula bus, Kevin. Bula bus. Um, is it story time? No, I have another poem. This one's called Labiarag. Means red bed or earth. I was schooled under the eyes of watchful Mother Mary, mannerly glossing over the babies she's buried, made fertile and fat by the flowers in land, head bashfully bowed under God's loving hand. My exterior inferior to anyone prettier, 
my insides made subject of fear by superiors. Ireland, home to scholars, was no home of mine. Only bogland to sink into till a more progressive time. Where I wait and listen to Ireland overhead. Sleepy and forgotten as though I were dead. Sometimes wakened by jarring accents, muffled steps, twisting in the soil, earth's restless guest. I'll be unearthed, discovered perfectly preserved, my leathered skin still perfumed by eau de fleurs. Unweathered by the seas that eat at our coasts, protected from poverty by my sweet earthly home. Pluck me and place me in clear gallery glass where I can watch unfazed faces walk past. Some who have fought with bullets, ballots and billboards for a safe and sound society that all can afford. Or receive me with sounds more familiar than smells. A kettle's squeal, a nightly rain, or the schoolyard lunch bell. Or the lilt in the song that crackles through the radio, that recounts Maeve's rule over an Ireland fado. I cut the threads that leashed me to the moon and the tide, free of the inevitable bearing of life. I can love without sin and dance without fear. Will Era still mind me? and keep me safe here. Labiarg. <laughs> I'll leave the author of that anonymous for the crack. Um, is it story time? Fucking hell, I'm after throwing away my phone and I can't see the timer. Ah, well. Story time. All right. I'm about to tell you another Dishgo tech story. I'm sorry, you're going to be thinking, this girl peaked in TY. Let's be fair, I did. I know. Um, this one's gas. So, teen Dishgo. Pretty sure it was TY, yeah. The girls are getting ready at my house. We had the dresses, we had the makeup. And I was stealing booze from my parents' press. And... Was it a month or two after Christmas or something? So there was still a drop of whiskey in the press. There was maybe two or three bottles. No, I think it was two. With um, maybe half a cup of whiskey in each of them. I don't know. And of course, I didn't think to pour the two of them into a plastic bottle that I could throw into my rucksack. Um, I don't know how much discos have evolved, but back then you got into your dress, your heels and your makeup and you had the hair done and you had a rucksack full of your naggins, tracksuit bottoms and whatever else you needed to keep you going for the disco, uh, powder and brush or whatever. Um, I mean the face powder. Jesus, it wasn't that belt. Um, oh, so yeah, girls are getting ready at my house. Um all glammed up, stole the whiskey out of the press, but yeah, no, didn't think to put them in the fucking plastic bottle. I just took the, the big fucking glass bottles and threw them into my into my rucksack. So I had a heavy, pretty heavy bag. Um, and mom wasn't home. It was my brother driving me and my mates to the local crossroads to be picked up by the minibus who would bring us to 
the Dishko, which was, might I add, in the next county over. Um, and I think there was about six of us, but he squeezed us all into the car anyways. And, uh, you know, my bag was clinking like mad and my brother's girlfriend started to look really nervous, thinking, what is this child doing with alcohol in her bag? Getting on a bus with a load of strangers. I oh, know they're my mates, man. They're my mates. Well, leave me alone. Um, on the bus anyway, started shrieking out of the whiskey, having an amazing time. I actually had a lot of fun. I had braces and ringlets in my hair and a little pink dress. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, we couldn't get on the big bus for some reason. So, you know, the big bus had like lads from the lads school and from the mixed school and like, you know, people that you wouldn't really see. But this minibus that we got on was just full of girls in our class, like. So having a great time, singing, roaring. Um, I think the bus stopped and strokes down and picked up a couple of lads who were in the school there. But, you know, these were these were lads that you would have like gone to primary school with. So, again, you know, nothing too exciting, nothing too unfamiliar. So carried on drinking and singing and chatting anyways. Say the bus may have been 40 minutes, but Jesus, it would go by in a blink of an eye, you'd be having that much crack. And uh, the guards started tailing us. We saw the blue flashing lights. The crack was halted fairly lively then. Um, bus pulled over. I can't remember. Sometimes the... Um, there was one bus driver who used to do all these buses to the discos and he was pure sound and he was somewhere from mid-30s to mid-40s but he was full of crack and he used to be fucking chatting to everyone and be like, and what are you drinking tonight? Ah, Jesus, you bowed pup, yeah. I'm telling your mammy. I'm telling your mammy. But if you didn't have a drink in your hand, he'd be like, what's wrong with you? It's so fucked up now that I look back on it. Um. So this, I, I can't remember, was it this man or his father driving the bus? Because the two of them used to, two of them used to do the buses. And the guards pulled the bus over anyways. And, uh, jeez, I can still see the fucking hat and the yellow and navy jacket getting on and freezing in my seat, thinking this is it, my life is over. Fucking icy blood rushing through my veins. And of course I was half cut. So that didn't help, you know, when you're trying to like, you're swaying a little bit, but you're trying to stay still and you're trying to keep the eyes wide and alive. And he says, right, you have two minutes to get rid of every bottle and drop a drink on this bus. And I think one of the lads from the from the local schools, uh, I'm trying really hard not to give away names. <laughs> he um, he sort of was like, right, come on, let's go. And he, he got his arse into gear and he started collecting all the bottles. And, you know, I still had a bit of whiskey to go, but I turned around and it was gone fairly lively. And... Uh, Within a matter of seconds, he had the bus cleared of any substance that was illegal to us 16-year-olds. And uh, pretty sure there's some people who kept their nagins and their knickers or their jocks or whatever saying, you're not touching it, you're not touching it, they can take me down, they can take me down to the station. Um, I don't know what did he, fuck, fuck them into the field, I don't know what he did with them, but he ran off the bus with all of it anyways. And there was girls crying and wailing, thinking, this is it, my life is over. Including myself, I think. And the bus, or the, the guard stepped back onto the bus. 
Right, you're all going home. And the silence. It was sobering. A hush fell over the crowd. Ah no, only messing with you. Have a good night. And off he went. Cheers, laughter, tears of joy. And we head, headed back on our journey then, without a drop of drink to our names, to finish it off. That's all for me. By the time this comes out and you finish listening, um, we'll have a Twitter page set up. Give us a follow. We're going to try and be funny Twitter gals. Um, yeah, support that, please. <laughs> support us on that endeavour. Um, the Instagram is still alive and well. That's kind of where most of the shit happens. Um, where you'll get updates on us and what we're doing and what we're coming out with. Lots of exciting stuff to come for 2021, lads. It's not always just going to be me ranting on about how I peaked in T.Y. And reading soppy poems. That wasn't very un- unapologetic. All right, lads, come here to me. Thank you for your ears. Thank you for your time. And, uh, yeah, have a lovely week. Have a lovely, lovely week. Mwah.